The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Thrilled to have you here on 1111 Talk Radio again with me this week. We're going to have an exciting conversation, but before we get into that, I want to mention uh, to access definitely 1111 Magazine. It is gifted to humanity freely, and you can access current and archived issues. There's a wonderful issue that is currently out, and it is Untie the Strong. There's strength within us that we don't tap into, and sometimes we have to stretch beyond our skins and really allow ourselves to tap in to the strength that lays beneath our vulnerability and the, at the very core of where we are. So definitely access that free issue. You can go to 1111mag.com and find the current 1111 magazine along with all archive issues from 2009 all the way forward. So definitely accept that gift. In addition, if you've missed the past several shows of 1111 Talk Radio, we've had some wonderful guests on, Nicole Sebastian, Uh, has been on and she's been talking about dream work and how the uh, sound hue can be used to awaken consciousness. In addition, Will Johnson talking about breathing through the whole body as establishing stillness for meditation but not stillness for the body to actually reach awakening. And Von Brashler, today my guest is talking about pyramids. The Giza Prophecy is the name of the book and is the Orion Code and the Secret Teachings of the Pyramids. This book is a detailed study of the proportions of the Giza pyramids and how they reveal shifts in the Earth's axis in the remote past and near future. It's here to debunk that the pyramids were simply just tombs and how they are recovery vaults to ensure the rebirth of civilization after a global disaster. It also explains in detail how the angles and geometry of the Great Pyramid records a shift of the world's axis, and it uncovers the location of additional as yet undiscovered recovery vaults on the Giza Plateau, as revealed in the myth of Osiris. Uh, My guest today is one of the authors, Scott Creighton, and he is an engineer whose extensive travels have allowed him to explore many of the world's ancient sacred sites, the host of Alternative Egyptology Forum, on AboveTopSecret.com. He lives in Glasgow, Scotland. I'd like to welcome Scott Creighton to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Scott. Hello there, Simran. Hi, it's, it's uh, really good to be here. Thanks, uh, thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to explore a little bit of this. I've always been intrigued with the pyramids, and when it comes to spirituality and consciousness, there is so much discussion about how the pyramids Uh, as far as the sacred geometry and the angles, how they really do affect 
consciousness, you see a lot of people that actually use the shape of the pyramid in, in various forms. So I wanted to really understand and connect people with these ideas of the Giza prophecy and what the pyramids truly signify. Well, that's um, that, the pyramids of uh, Giza, when you see them, I mean, I've been to, to Giza a number of times in round, and um, when, when you see these structures there in front of you, they're just awe-inspiring, absolutely incredible. They take your breath away. There's just no other words to put it. And when you're um, climbing the, the grand gallery of the Great Pyramid, um, passing through into the, the King's Chamber there, um, you're, you're completely awestruck. Um, you're, you, you just cannot conceive of how a civilization four and a half thousand years ago could have um, conceived um, of this structure and managed to put it together with such um, immaculate, incredible um, precision. Um, when you're standing in that king's chamber, I was standing in there um, last time I was there and the lights were all went out um, within the chamber. And I tell you, it was one of the, the spookiest um, things that, that has ever really happened to me. You, you really feel as if you know, you're, in, you're in touch um, with something, it's, for me, being, being a um, sort of left brain type person, it was really difficult for me to kind of describe um, that feeling and to, to comprehend it. Well, when we when we talk about the pyramids, it is true that they built something that for that type of civilization, you would never imagine that they'd have the skill level or even the ability to design and build something of such magnitude and such weight. And there have been a lot of thoughts, and, and there's a movie recently that has come out called Thrive that talks about the pyramids actually being uh, somewhat created or at least uh, in, in building of them being assisted by uh, extraterrestrial life forms or other life forms from uh, the universe or galaxies. And you are connecting that, uh, that, that sky and the stars and, and all of the astronomy along with the pyramids in some way as well. Talk a little bit about that. Okay, Simran. Well, um, there's been a lot of uh, theories about why the, the Great Pyramids were built and also um, how they were built. Uh, one of the most incredible facts uh, that there is about uh, the Great Pyramid, for example, is that the, the blocks, the granite blocks in the King's Chamber, some of these blocks weigh upwards of, of 70 tonnes, you know, and they're almost about 200 feet in the air. And they're you know, there's probably about um, 30 or 40 of these granite blocks weighing 70 tons. You know, how this ancient civilization managed to do that um, is, is really quite incredible. And, and we really don't know um, the answer. Mo modern Egyptology um, is uh, completely um, um, bereft of um, the, the, the means to explain how this uh, ancient civilization could do that. Um, but, but for me, um, it's not really so much the how the ancient Egyptians built these structures, but more really the why. Um, and, and that, that um, does um, come down to um, the, their motivation for building these and what exactly um, they were doing. Um, I suppose, Simran, the, the first thing to say here um, is what we believe um, that they built these structures for, and that was essentially to create um, a recovery vault system. Um, 
what I mean by that, um, I mean, this, this theory is, is fairly con controversial, but at its simplest level, it presents, I suppose, an entirely different and somewhat radical um, new paradigm to explain the motivation, the design, the construction um, of the early pyramids of ancient Egypt. Um, and it's a purpose uh, that's entirely consistent with what we today understand what the ancient Egyptians actually believed. And, and that's important um, to, to, to understand that um, because we, ha we can't just take these, these pyramids out of a context. They must fit within a particular context. Um, we can't take it out of the, all the other evidence that surrounds um, these structures. Um, so it, it goes without saying really, but the recoverable theory that we propose in our book, The Gaze of Prophecy, completely rejects the, the present mainstream consensus because that's all um, Egyptologists and academics have about the purpose of the pyramids. It's a consensus opinion. They don't have, any, they don't have a lot of evidence um, to suggest that um, these structures were built as tombs. So, Scott, first, before you get into all of that, talk a little bit about what you mean by recovery vault. So that, so this is not just a place that is is uh, is housing the 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 different kings or pharaohs and their their wares and their goods. You're you're talking about something that goes much deeper and has a much greater purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the recovery vault theory essentially proposes, Simran, that. The relative sudden emergence of the early giant pyramids of ancient Egypt, this would be around um, 2630 before the current era. Um, these were motivated in response to an unfolding natural disaster of truly epic proportions in ancient Egypt and also in, in, in the wider world at, at that time. A series of um, prolonged and severe droughts had over time brought the kingdom to its knees. This was a catastrophe um, that would eventually lead um, to the collapse of the kingdom, which did eventually happen. Um, now, these catastrophic um, droughts were, in our opinion, likely to have been the result of a sudden disturbance of the Earth's rotational axis, which, according to some evidence that we've looked at and we present in the book, would have ultimately shifted Giza about somewhere roughly about six and a half degrees nearer to the equator. Um, and such a shift of that magnitude would have meant that Egypt would have become a much hotter and drier place than it was before. Um, so to the ancient Egyptian astronomer priests, um, this tilt of the Earth's axis would have seemed as if the sky had fallen, that they believed that the, the pillars that held up the sky had crumbled. These were the, the four sons of the sky god Horus. Um, now, the fallen sky, this would have been an ill woman um, since the great deluge that the ancient Egyptian god Thoth promised he would send to drown all of Egypt was to come from the heavens. And he said, and he said that it would come, according to some ancient texts, at the usual interval, like a pestilence. Now, to the ancient Egyptians, this collapse of the sky followed by a serious change in the local climate would have seemed to them like the end of the world. If, if, if they hadn't prepared or didn't prepare themselves uh, for the worst effects that this dramatic change in the heavens would bring, then everything, their entire civilization, um, would be a threat. It would be washed away in the Great, Deli the great Deluge, you know, that they believed um, was imminent. 
so so they had to try and preserve what they could in order that their civilization could effectively be reborn again after the worst effects of the disordered world, including you know effects from a possible deluge had passed. So this then, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, um, was the motivation um, for the ancient Egyptians to commence building these great pyramids to to essentially effect a rebirth of their kingdom, or, or I suppose at least you know to, to to have hope of a rebirth. So you know that. That that essentially is the the idea in a nutshell. Very good, very good. My guest today is Scott Creighton. He is one of the authors of the Giza Prophecy, the Orion Code, and the Secret Teachings of the Pyramids, offering a radical new perspective on the Great Pyramids of Giza and all the structures surrounding it, including the Sphinx. The authors show how the designers of Giza intentionally arranged these massive structures to create an astronomical timeline, recording catastrophic events in the past, as well as warning later generations of the precise times of future catastrophes. They reveal how the Old Kingdom pyramids of Giza were created, not as tombs for the pharaohs and their queens, but as recovery vaults to ensure the rebirth of the Kingdom of Egypt after global disaster by acting as storehouses for ancient Egyptian culture, its tools, seeds, art, and sacred texts. The co-authors are Scott Creighton, an engineer whose extensive travels have allowed him to explore many of the world's ancient sacred sites. And also Gary Osborne, who is a writer, researcher of ancient mysteries, and co-author of several books, including The Serpent Grail and The Shining Ones. You can connect with both of them at their websites, scottcreighton.co.uk. That's scott, C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, dot C-O dot U-K. And garyosborne.moonfruit, M-O-O-N-F-R-U-I-T dot com. We'll be right back with Scott Creighton and more on the Giza Prophecy. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. 
and Gaim TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaim TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaimtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M TV.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Maps and diagrams of the Giza Plateau, the authors show how the angles and geometry of the Great Pyramid align with the stars of Orion's belt to encode an important message. Changes in the tilt of the Earth's axis have occurred in the remote past, most recently in 3980 BCE, and will occur again in the near future, highlighting the ubiquitous appearances of 23.5-degree angles, the most important of the processional angles encoded in the Giza pyramids in classic works of art, including the work of Leonardo da Vinci and portraits of John the Baptist and George Washington. The authors reveal how this angle, the Great Pyramid, and its fateful message are tied to free masonry and other secret societies, concluding with the remarkable revelation triggered by the myth of Osiris that there may be an as yet undiscovered 14th recovery vault on the Giza Plateau. Scott Creighton and Gary Osborne show that the prophecy of Giza is a message of first importance to modern civilization. Welcome back, Scott. We were talking, Hi, <laughs> we were talking about the uh, about the pyramids and, and all of their structures and being recovery vaults, did they feel at that time that their civilization was uh, going to be destroyed at that time, or were they also looking far into the future at future catastrophes that civilization as it grew would continue to create? Well, Sibran, um what Gary and I propose in our book, um, The Great Giza Prophecy, is that um, a catastrophic event um, did indeed occur um, round about um, 2630 before the current era. Um, and um, that is essentially uh, what triggered, um, you know, uh, the motivation for the, the building of these structures. Um, what we're saying is that um, the Earth's rotational axis was disturbed, and um, as as we say, Giza um, changed in latitude um, by about somewhere in the region of about six and a half degrees. Um, so, we, we, the effect of that would have made, as, as mentioned earlier, would have made Giza a much much um, hotter and drier place. The the Nile would have um, dried up for decades. You know, the Great Nile, which um, um, provided um, um, Egypt um, with, with with all its food. Um, it was uh, the, the breadbasket um, of the world um, back in that time. 
Um, you know, so the catastrophic um, disaster, um, this prolonged um, drought, um, you know, did actually occur, and you know that was the the motivation. But if I could say something, um, Simran, just just about this this idea of the the Earth's axis being disturbed. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to modern science, the very idea that the Earth's axis could shift suddenly in such a dramatic fashion is, is regarded pretty much as impossible. Um, I mean, to, to let you understand, it, it's presently believed uh, by mainstream science that the Earth's equatorial bulge is much too great a stabilising force um, to overcome, so much so, in fact, that um, it's generally accepted in scientific circles that it would take a massive object, probably about the size of the Earth itself, maybe a bit smaller, um, to knock it off its um, present rotational axis. So, of course, an impact um, of you know um, such magnitude would effectively release so much energy as to render you know the Earth completely sterile, completely devoid of all of all life. So it stands to reason. Um, that since life on Earth is still very much in abundance, you know, it's viewed that such a relatively abrupt axis shift has never occurred. However, in the last few years, a number of scientists and physicists have come forward and proposed various theoretical models that demonstrate how even just a very small asteroid striking one of the Earth's oceans can completely overcome the stabilising influence of the Earth's equatorial bulge. And obviously induce a shift of the Earth's axis. Um, according to, to these models, it can actually be done very, very easily and very, very rapidly. Um, but naturally such an event would, would have severe consequences um, for all manner of life right across the planet. Um, but it wouldn't be anywhere near the, the sort of um, extinction level event of um, a much larger collision would, would undoubtedly have brought. So um, in this axis shift scenario, life would continue to thrive, although it would have to adapt quickly to a sudden and dramatic um, climate change all over the world. Um, now, one of the, the other curious things about this Earth tilt proposal having occurred in relatively recent historical times, we're talking about um, you know, 2630 um, before the current era, um, is that it's, it's actually backed up by ancient and modern sources, um, uh, whether it's the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Hebrews, Chinese, or ancient um, Arabic sources, you know, we've got a number of texts from these various cultures that all tell us the same story of how, in great antiquity, the sky fell, that the earth tilted on its axis. And the thing is, the thing is, Simran, um, modern science has actually presented proof of this event actually having taken place. Um, so it seems quite ironic that on the one hand, um, scientists uh, believe that it couldn't happen, but yet there's actually, actually scientific evidence there um, to support and suggest, strongly suggest, that it has in fact um, occurred um, around the time that um, Gary and I actually proposed that it did occur. Um, the Australian astronomer and mathematician, a, a chap called um, George um, Dodwell, now, he studied the uh, ancient recordings of the angle of the Earth's axis stretching way, way back um, to ancient Egyptian and, and Chinese um, recordings. Now, what Dodwell found, um, Simran, was that 
I mean, quite remarkable um, that around the year, um, I think it was um, 2345 before the current era, that the Earth's axis had been tilted at around um, 26 and a half degrees. Now, now, this is a full two degrees in excess of what modern science predicts it should have been at that time or could have ever been at any time. So, you know, this, this finding of um, George Dodwell is, is a clear indication that there was indeed some major disturbance um, of the Earth's axis in remote antiquity. You know, and the thing is, um, even if we look at ancient Egyptian art, we can see their desire to save themselves from this situation, um, uh, to raise up and stabilise the sky. And we see this in a, a ceremony, it's called the, the Raising of the Jed um, ceremony. Um, I mean, th this ancient enigmatic Egyptian symbol, um, and it's a pillar with um, four crossbars on it. Uh, and now this, this is tilted at the approximate angle of the axis. And um, it's been described as a composite of the four sky pillars. You sort of side on, and it's closely associated with the ancient Egyptian god of rebirth, Osiris. And I have to Scott, say, not. The, Scott, the, um, when you're talking about the, the sky falling, are we talking about like a meteor shower or something of that effect where it looked as if the sky was falling down and, and that is what that ancient civilization was reacting to? Yeah, well, it's, it's a disturbance of the Earth's axis. Um, basically, the, the, the Earth, the whole Earth, um, uh, tilted. Now, to an observer um, here on the ground, um, the, the, the stars in the sky would have shifted um, dramatically all at once from, from one position in the sky to another. Um, you know, observers on the other side of the world would have seen um, the sun um, suddenly shift um, from um, one place in the sky to a, a different place in the sky. Um, so um, we're not necessarily talking um, here about um, a, a meteor shower. We're talking about an actual um, um, tilt of the, the Earth's axis itself. But we are saying as well that um, you know we're, we're not nailing our, our colours to the mast and, and speculating as to the cause of this this shift, um, you know, there there are a number of theories that are now being put forward by various scientists, physicists, about what may have been the cause. Um, it may have been um, a, an impact of an asteroid um, breaking up, hitting the Earth, in which case, you know, um, it would have seen, you know, there may well have been a sort of um, spectacular firework display in the sky as, as, as these other events were actually going on. So, um, you know, it, it, it could essentially have been both, but the key thing um, here is that, um, uh, you know, the, the sky to the observers on the ground would appear to have been falling. Absolutely. Now, you spend quite a bit of time in the book discussing the 23.5 degree angle of the Earth's rotational axis. And yep. and why is that number so important? Because it's it's been brought up. It's shown in artwork. It's been shown in uh, e even on 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 money that all these angles are consistent in various places. So talk a little bit about that angle. Well, what we're um, suggesting, um, Simran, is that um, Gary and I suspect that um, the the Earth's axis, um, which is tilted at this, this very angle, 23 and a half degrees, may go through 
this um, uh, tilting um, at some sort of regular um, cycle, um, you know, space between thousands of years, thousands of years apart, um, that this, whatever it causes the Earth axis um, to tilt, um, you know, we, we don't know what the cause is, but it may be that the Earth's axis tilts, um, you know, um, at sort of regular um, intervals. So, and that this knowledge um, of, of this tilt um, was perhaps um, passed down um, um, from ancient, ancient sources. Um, but the other thing that um, we also um, suggest is that the reason the, the angle of the Earth axis 23 and a half degree angle became important was because um, during um, medieval times when um, it was viewed by the church that the earth was at the center um, of, of the universe uh, the, the center of everything um, and that everything else um, went around um, the earth this would have implied that the earth was um, perfectly upright um, in the universe um, it's not rotating, it's not spinning, so it, it doesn't have an axis because it's perfectly upright and everything else in the universe is rotating around the Earth. So um, when Copernicus, Nicholas Copernicus, a Polish astronomer priest, um, proposed that, well, actually, no, the Earth is tilted and you know it rotates and goes around the sun, um, that was a direct challenge to the authority of the church. And um, various people who um, um, proposed that idea were effectively um, um, burned at the stake um, because it was believed to be heresy. You were challenging um, the, the, the truth of um, you know, God's word in the Bible, um, and you just couldn't do that. Um, so what I'm going to have you, believe... Scott, I'm going to have you continue that after this commercial yep. break highlighting the ubiquitous appearance of 23.5-degree angles, the most important of the processional angles encoded in the Giza pyramids in classic works of art from antiquity through the present day, include the work of Leonardo da Vinci and portraits of John the Baptist and George Washington. They reveal how this angle, the Great Pyramid, and its fateful message are tied to Freemasonry and other secret societies and how these groups may know of the coming polar shift. The book is entitled The Giza Prophecy, and the authors are Scott Creighton and Gary Osborne. The Orion Code and the Secret Teachings of the Pyramids is the subtitle. You can connect with Scott at scottcreighton.co.uk, and you can connect with Gary Osborne at garyosborne.moonfruit.com. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M TV dot com. 2012 is not to be viewed as a year of doom and gloom. It's merely the beginning of the rest of your life. 
Our planet is getting ready for this macro shift, and to be fully prepared, you need to make some changes to restore the balance in life. Tune in to Create Your Best Life Ever. What else is possible? With your host, Allison J.K. Every program has a unique roster of guests, healings, and your contributions to help you master this shift through holistic living. Be sure to listen every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. My guest today is Scott Creighton. He is the co-author, along with Gary Osborne, of The Giza Prophecy, The Orion Code, and The Secret Teachings of the Pyramids. This book debunks that the pyramids are just tombs, but in fact that they are recovery vaults to ensure the rebirth of civilization after global disaster. It also explains how the angles and geometry of the Great Pyramids record a shift of the world's axis. In addition, it uncovers the location of additional as-yet-undiscovered recovery vaults on the Giza Plateau, as revealed in the myth of Osiris. We've been speaking with Scott Creighton and talking a little bit about Copernicus and the beliefs of that time and how they received religious opposition. Scott, go ahead and continue with the conversation that you were you were going with in the last segment. Uh, yes, Imran. Um, what I was saying was that... Um, uh, you know, Copernic- Copernicus essentially discovered that um, the the Earth is not at the centre of the the universe; that the Earth rotated on its own axis, and that um, it you know went round um, the sun in an orbit. Um, so the, the church basically uh, viewed that as heresy, and um, anyone who um, proposed or promoted such ideas, including the likes of um, um, Galileo, um, would essentially um, feel the wrath. Uh, of the church. So um, it seemed um, to people at that time that you, you simply um, couldn't uh, speak uh, of um, you know, these scientific um, findings, uh, that the earth actually was tilted at an angle of 23 and a half degrees. To say that was, was essentially heresy. Um, so what, you, what we're arguing that happened is that this knowledge um, was secretly pa- passed on by um, a couple of key groups, um, which were um, uh, artists and people of um, literature, and another group um, were, were the Freemasons. If you look at um, the, the US dollar bill, um, if you look at the, the paintings of uh, George, famous paintings of George Washington uh, with his sword at his side, you find that his sword is uh, at the angle of 23 and a half degrees. And the, the the U.S. dollar bill, one dollar bill, the angle of the pyramid is 23, 23 and a half degrees. What what this angle became was a sign of um, uh, science and reason, like like the crucifix um, was a, a sign or symbol to to Christians of the the truth 
of the resurrection. This angle of 23 and a half degrees, whether it be in paintings or um, in literature, um, however, or, or the key, the Masonic keystone um, incorporates the angle of 23 and a half degrees. So whether wherever you find that particular angle, we are we are arguing that it was essentially um, scientists scientists symbol or sign of um, reason over superstition. It was like essentially um, you know the science uh, fraternity's version of, of the cross. This was their sign, their symbol, which is why we find that particular angle cropping up in these Masonic paintings, um, and especially you find it cropping up in all sorts of um, places within, um, uh, believe it or not, within the, the, the church, the great cathedrals and abbeys um, of, of medieval times, um, incorporate the Masonic keystone, which incorporates that angle of 23 and a half degrees. You know, it's like the, the Freemasons were placing this particular angle right under the noses um, of the church in plain sight you know, science over um, superstition. Um, so, so that's one of the reasons why we believe um, that particular angle became um, a key angle um, for these particular groups of people. But we're also told by um, an eminent Freemason, um, a 32nd degree Mason, a chap called Frank Higgins back in um, the early 20th century, that this keystone um, has been used um, for thousands of years, incorporating this angle of 23 and a half degrees. And within the Great Pyramid, um, you wouldn't believe um, how easy um, and plainly encoded the, this particular 23 and a half degree angle is encoded inside the, the Great Pyramid. I'll spare you the geometric details, but uh, if you read the book, you will see how simply this, this angle is encoded, just as this... Um, this thirty-second uh, uh, degree Mason Frank Higgins stated it was right there in, in the Great Pyramid. Now I know that in in some of my own research in regard to the pyramids, there are specific angles that um, that do coincide with that rotation of the Earth's axis for the purposes of uh, creating a vortex or vibration. And in your research of the pyramids. Is part of the shaping and the, the sacred geometric form and the angles that are taking place, do you think, or is that part of what is supposed to allow human beings, or even Egyptians, did they know at that time, would allow the soul to evolve and move on to its next step as well? Well, Simran, um, that's uh, an aspect um, of, of our book, um, which uh, my co-author Gary um, delves um, more into. Um, Gary's got some some excellent um, ideas um, on that. Um, he, he calls it the neutral point of the, or the, the, the zero point theory. Um, but what is interesting is that the, the 23 and a half degrees is the, the Earth um, does tilt regularly over a period of some 41,000 years and between um, 24 and a half and uh, a little over 22 degrees. That those are the parameters that the Earth um, tilts back and forth like a pendulum. And 23, three and a half is it's almost um, the mid the midway point. Um, so it seems as though that um, the ancient Egyptians or, or or somebody is 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 
maybe focusing um, on the, the midpoint between things. Um, and as I, as I briefly said there, Simran, this is something that uh, my co-author Gary um, focuses on um, in the book, and um, he's got a lot of other research um, elsewhere that, that deals um, uh, with, with those aspects. It does go into quite a bit of, of research in regard to diagrams and things. It was quite interesting that the Templar cross can be easily formed from the Great Pyramid. If you flatten out the pyramid, you all of a sudden see that that Templar cross that is created. That's absolutely right. And uh, I'll come back to what uh, Frank Higgins, the 32nd degree mason, said. He, he actually said that um, in his book, published in 1919, that the um, Templar Cross is essentially the Great Pyramid um, flattened out. Because one of the curious things about the Great Pyramid is that its sides aren't perfectly straight. They slightly go inward at the centre. Each side of the Great Pyramid goes slightly inward at the centre so that um, when you flatten it out, it gives you the, you know how the, the, tem the Templar um, Cross, each each of the, the, the edges of the, the cross slightly inward, just yes. like um, the size of the Great Pyramid. Because they are, they do have a concave effect on their on their face walls as well. That's absolutely right. Um, uh, the the Great Pyramid um, and the smaller pyramid at Giza, the smallest of the three, are, are quite unique in Egypt um, because they're the only two um, pyramids that, that uh, have these particular features. They're essentially eight-sided um, pyramids. And Gary and I propose in our, our book that there's a very, very good reason um, for for having done this. It's it's to do with um, the, the the Osiris, um, uh, the myth of Osiris and Isis um, um, that uh, you know we, we write about in the book as well, um, relating to a, a hidden vault um, um, somewhere within the vicinity of um, Giza, and these these particular concavities. Um, are used in such a way um, to point to a hidden location. And it's really, really, really very simple um, uh, geometry to do with the geometry of a triangle, but I won't bore you with the details. Now, why would they build some of the tombs um, and that actually contained nothing? I know that some of the undisturbed tombs were opened and they actually had... Um, had nothing in them; they were completely empty. So, what what purposes did those tombs serve if they were just going to be completely empty places? Well, this is this is um, one of the things that um, we explain um, in our book, Simran, and it's one of the things that that completely baffles and puzzles mainstream Egyptology. But for us, the 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 answer to that particular puzzle is perfectly clear, perfectly obvious. Um, what we are saying in our book is that the, the, the early giant pyramids of um, ancient Egypt essentially were being built as recovery vaults, but they were being built using, um, they were also being built as a, an astronomical clock using the Orion Belt stars. Now, um, the god, ancient Egyptian god Osiris, his um, stellar um, personification was the constellation of Orion. Um, you know, the, the embodiment of Osiris, as it were, was made manifest by the constellation of, of Orion. Now, what we're saying is that the pyramids on the ground at Egypt 
are Osiris. They are they are Orion, Osiris on the ground. Now um, the the utterances of the the pyramid text, the ancient Egyptian text, utterance number six hundred, it actually specifically says this pyramid is Osiris. It doesn't say this pyramid is the king, or it specifically says this pyramid is Osiris. In other words, this pyramid is Orion. Now, it doesn't. It's not referring to just one pyramid. It's referring to to the pyramid as a whole at that time. Now, what um, Gary and I are saying is that these pyramids are the the, the body um, of um, Osiris because. In the myth of um, Osiris and Isis, um, Osiris' brother Seth um, um, murdered um, Osiris um, to gain um, the throne. And he cut Osiris' body up into 14 parts. Um, some of the myth, some versions of the myth says that there's 16 parts. Um, and what we find at Giza, or, or the first early pyramids, is that there are 14. Well, there are actually 13 of them, 13 pyramids. And what's interesting is that Isis, um, the, the wife of Osiris, tried to find all the, the pieces of Osiris that had been scattered across Egypt, essentially the, the pyramids, to put them all back together again um, in order to um, conceive a child. And I'm going to stop you right there, Scott, and we're going to continue after this commercial break. We are confronted with a civilization where it seems sophisticated knowledge of the motions of the stars procession was understood. This is knowledge far in excess of that generally attributed to the ancient Egyptians of the dynastic period and may indicate a more sophisticated hand in the design and construction of the giant pyramids from an earlier time in ancient Egypt. We're discussing the book, The Giza Prophecy, The Orion Code, and the Secret Teachings of the Pyramids, authored by Scott Creighton and Gary Osborne. You can find out more at scottcreighton.co.uk or you can go to garyosborne.moonfruit.com. We'll be right back. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M TV dot com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... 
People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. The belt asterism of the Orion constellation can produce in a simple and systematic manner three bases whose dimensions proportionately match the bases of the three main Giza pyramids. This fact is highly suggestive that the structures at Giza conform to a predefined, unified, homogenous plan, and as such contradicts the conventional theory that the giant pyramids, including Giza, were constructed for the purposes of entombment. I'm here with Scott Creighton, and he is the co-author of the book, The Giza Prophecy, The Orion Code and the Secret Teachings of the Pyramids. Um, Scott, let's get back to that conversation about... Osiris and the pyramids, the 13 pyramids forming that body. Um, Please continue with what you were saying. Yes, Simran, you were talking about the the empty um, sarcophagus um, within some of these pyramids. Um, Well, Gary and I don't actually see that these granite boxes were actually sarcophagus or sarcophagi. They were something else altogether, which we'll come to in a moment, um, which relates into the the myth of um, um, Osiris and Isis. We were talking about um, you know, Osiris' uh, brother Seth, who, who murders Osiris and cuts his body into 14 parts, although some versions of the story tell us that it's cut into 16 parts. So anyway, um, Seth scatters the various body parts of Osiris across the land of Egypt, and Isis, the, the wife of Osiris, naturally devastated by this, sets about finding all the various body parts of her husband. And she successfully manages to find all parts except the phallus of Osiris. And she binds all these parts together, fashions a phallus from gold, and um, is able to copulate with Osiris and conceive their child Horus. Now, the interesting thing about the story is, is the number of parts Osiris' body was cut into, 14. Now, in our book, we demonstrate how up, up to the completion of the, the Giza pyramids, there are 13 pyramids. Now, it crossed our minds that these 13 pyramids might, in fact, be the 13 allegorical parts of Osiris's dismembered body scattered all over Egypt. And just, as I was saying earlier, to support this idea, um, uttering 600 in the pyramid text tells us quite plainly this pyramid is Osiris. Now, of course, as I mentioned earlier, some versions of the myth state that there were 16. 
body parts, the thighs is finding only 15. Now, this difference in the tail might be explained by the fact that during the, you know, the pyramid building period um, of this time, there were two pyramids that were never actually um, completed. Um, so the implication of this idea is that um, there's a part of Osiris's body, a secret chamber that is still to be found, since we're told in the story that Isis could, couldn't find you know, the final part. Um, so this got us thinking, now, if you're building pyramids as recovery vaults, you cannot be sure what kind of people will eventually come across them, um, open them up. Um, treasure seekers, looters, people that basically cared little for seeds and other non-precious items within the pyramids. Such people probably in their complete ignorance and frustration, you know, at not finding any treasure might just destroy, you know, the, the precious um, recovery items. Uh, within the pyramids. So uh, to counter such an outcome, uh, the planners would have prepared a recovery vault that was hidden away, well out of sight, but, with, but which more enlightened minds, by following a number of clues, would be able to find. Um, and this is where we, I was speaking earlier about the concavities and, and the, the two pyramids at Giza. So Gary and I discovered in the Hermetic text that speaks of the hidden rooms of Osiris and that these hidden rooms would be found by the three. Um, it seemed that, you know, um, obvious to us that the three in question would have to be the three main Giza pyramids. Um, so um, what we're also saying is that this body, these pyramids are the body of Osiris. Now, one of the things that you find in later pyramids is a thing called an Osiris bed. And basically what an Osiris bed was, was um, it was a wooden frame with um, linen stretched over it. And what the Egyptians would do, um, they would place some earth and some um, wheat seed on this um, Osiris bed. And they would pour water. And the sense of what would happen is that um, over time, the, the seed would germinate and they would grow. And this would represent the life force that invisible um, thing um, that, that, uh, that is untouchable and that just seems to create life out of nothing. Um, the ancient Egyptians called this the Ka. And essentially what we are saying, the great the stone boxes in these pyramids were, they weren't um, sarcophagi for the king. These were the Ka boxes. These, these granite boxes would be filled um, with earth, and seeds would be sown inside them and um, water would be placed inside it to generate the, the life force within the body of Osiris, the pyramids that were the body of Osiris. Now, the ancient Egyptian soul had another aspect to it. There were five parts to the Egyptian soul, um, the Ka, um, the Ba, the um, Ak, the name and the shadow. Now, the second most important part was the Ba, of the soul. And the Ba is kind of like the personality of a person. And the Ba of Osiris um, was a bull, or the, the, the Apis bull. Um, and what you actually find in the second pyramid um, at Giza, when they entered the second pyramid at Giza, within the, sto the granite stone box that Egyptologists call a sarcophagus, which Gary and I call Osiris beds, Inside the stone box in that second pyramid, found the bones of a bull. So here in the second pyramid, keeping in mind that the pyramids are the body of Osiris, we have the soul, the second part of the soul, the bar of Osiris, in the form of the bull 
the bones placed within the, the, the osiris bed. So in the first pyramid you have, um, because this, this is noted in one of the Arab legends um, of the Great Pyramid, that the, the sarcophagus or the granite box within the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid, one of the things, or the only thing they found in it was a black peat-like substance which is essentially what you would end up with over hundreds of thousands of years with earth plate with seeds with some water over it and left in darkness you would end up over hundreds of thousands of years with a black peat-like substance so and that was actually according to the arab legends what was found the only thing that was found inside um the granite box within the uh, king's chamber of the great pyramid so what we're saying is that these were Osiris beds. They were not sarcophagi to hold the body of the king. They were they were they were stone boxes to hold the ka and the ba to hold the soul of Osiris within the body, the pyramid that was Osiris. And you can find out more about this and also about the queen chamber shafts uh, and, and lots of other diagrams and insight in this wonderful book entitled The Giza Prophecy, The Orion Code and the Secret Teachings of the Pyramids. My guest today has been Scott Creighton. He is an engineer whose extensive travels have allowed him to explore many of the world's ancient sacred sites. His co-author, Gary Osborne, is a writer, researcher of ancient mystery, and co-author of several books, including The Serpent Grail and The Shining Ones. They have penned the Giza prophecy in order to offer a radical new perspective on the Great Pyramid of Giza and all the structures surrounding it, including the Sphinx. They demonstrate how the designers of Giza intentionally arranged these massive structures to create an astronomical timeline recording the catastrophic events in the past, as well as warning later generations of the precise times of future catastrophes. They reveal how the Old Kingdom pyramids of Giza were created, not as tombs for the pharaohs and their queens, but as recovery vaults to ensure the rebirth of the Kingdom of Egypt after global disaster by acting as storehouses for ancient Egyptian culture. I want to thank you, Scott, for being on 1111 Talk Radio and bringing forward this work so that we can know a little bit more about ancient culture and ancient Egypt and thus start to learn a little bit more of ourselves in the process. Thank you so much. My guest next week is going to be Katrina Ariel, and we're going to be talking about the yoga of the dragon. Definitely check out my new Matrix coaching program. It is incredibly powerful and is broken up into modules that will truly help you get to your next best step. Until next week, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.